Hello, and welcome to I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things, a The Twin Geeks production with myself, Stephen, and my good friend Vaughn. Vaughn, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Stephen? Yeah, I'm doing not too bad. Been away walking and stuff in Wales, which is kind of a different country, but also kind of not. There you go, the complexities <laughs> of regional politics. Um, so, we were speaking off mic, well, on mic, off mic, it gets confusing, unrecorded, um, as one does. Um, off the record. And, yeah, off the record, entirely off the record, which I'm going to bring onto the record, um, about, um, we've been watching a bunch of new movies that we don't have time to do an episode on everything, um, so we thought we'd do a little kind of like wrap up at the beginning that I'm sure Vaughn will find out like a fancy name for, rather than just like a grab bag of like recent <laughs> things. That's But if I could name things, I'd call it grab bag of recent things. Um, Perfect name, that'll be it. There you go, the grab bag of recent things. Um, so we've watched a few of the same films um, recently. I think we'll start with what we have the least to say about and we'll go to the most to say about. Um, so your pithy, I mean, you've got a, an entire review of it on the side. Yes. <laughs> but your pithy um, couple of sentences on, let's see if I get the title correct, because I keep wanting to call it to the crimes of Dumbledore, but no. <laughs> Fantastic Beasts, not and where to find them, Fantastic Beasts, colon, the secrets of Dumbledore. I believe that's correct. Yes. Yes. We're not finding the beasts and um, under the new umbrella of Wizarding World. I mean, it's not. Yeah, the Wizarding World presents Hobson Shaw. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, awful movie. Um, I don't know. Mm. If, I, I feel like we mentioned it very briefly on a, on a mm. recent episode. Um, but now that you've seen it, which I yeah. didn't expect you to do, but you did it anyway. <laughs> well, I have stacks obligations. <laughs> the movie is like high profile and terrible. When Jack's watched it, then yeah. I at least have to watch it. It's awful. Yeah, it's right down there, close to the bottom of my list for this year. Um, mm. I was probably too generous, but I think I watched, I rewatched The Crimes of Grindelwald Jesus preceding Christ. it, <laughs> which, regrettable, but that movie is so bad that I think anything would look great in comparison. Um, but so Dumbledore is absolutely terrible, but I think I was a little yeah. more nice to it than I probably should have been, given that mm. Grindelwald is genuinely one of the worst things to have come out in the last <laughs> 10 years you're right i yeah no you're right your view of this is really really good really really entertaining um i i echo it but i'm much more bitter about it because i didn't have to really explain myself so i could just just keep just saying it's absolutely crap like i barely even write review it's just like stream of consciousness just yeah. like i don't really know what's happening it looks like sludge and i hate it so that's my review yeah, as we've mentioned, when you are writing just for yourself or for the website, it's it's a little <laughs> yeah. bit different as far as how as you approach it. So I did I my write nonsense. <laughs> I did my most tactful takedown of it as I could. Yeah, um, whereas but I'm just postulating back Quidditch at the corner about you know what Quidditch doesn't make sense. <laughs> and now it's even weirder in retrospect because following watching that movie, I watched Naked Lunch, and it's a very weird comparison to draw, but. If you remember, the aliens in Naked Lunch are called Mugwumps. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. what they call the the king of the wizards, the yeah, supreme the, the, Mugwumps. The, 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 yeah. the wizard king. Um, so yes, it turns out that J.K. Rowling, um, noted awful human being, is a big William Burroughs fan. Um, it turns out. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but yes, there's not much else to say about that movie. I don't see it. It's terrible. Um, so... Um, Rise, Raw, Revolt? Is that it? I, I believe it that's correct. Yeah, I forget what the R's are. I think it's like Rise, Raw, and Revolt, yes. um, which we both watched as a review from myself up on the site. Um, a caveat um, that I would recommend to, as I alluded to briefly in the review, I'd recommend to look up kind of like perspectives people that actually have like a, a grounding in the political framework. I, I very much do not. Yeah. And I don't want to write outside of my, my knowledge base. Um, I, made, I mean, actually in your 
your take on this box, you're a little bit more to it about the kind of like the inappropriateness perhaps of like playing with real figures right. in a, in a kind of like fan fiction setting, which I yeah. slightly alludes to. Um, and there is there is kind of like a a memification like beyond that of like taking revolutionaries and like repurposing them. Right. Um, and I'd recommend looking up kind of like about how the imagery is used. But that aside, the movie absolutely rules. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you haven't seen it, the the general premise is these two. Um, well-known Indian revolutionaries mm. um, from the early 20th century have been sort of repurposed. They never crossed paths in real life, but, but what if they did? the director sort of right wrote this theoretical story of what if they mm. crossed paths and how did they end up becoming who they were in real life. Um, and the movie is fantastic. I mean, it's like the greatest example of like cinematic excess you can imagine. But yeah, I, I do think that there is a there, there are some slight issues with with taking those real life people and turning them into that sort of comical element. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I also think structurally, I think because there's so much, it's it's easy to be overwhelmed. And I think that's all great. But I think like um, the first half of the movie kind of like lays down some like some pathos and some like dramatic stakes that I don't think ultimately are, are capitalized on in terms of relationship. But I feel the relationship between two characters is really, really nice and really, really like yeah. wholesome and different. I mean, you made the comparison that I thought of as well and watching it of there is like a, a kind of like John Woo's take on actually like right. present masculinity as like a fraternal bond in a way you don't usually see. Because like fraternity usually has the wider cultural connotation as opposed to like a sense of like brotherhood, yeah. of like closeness and intimacy, um, which is like co-opted into the term bromance, which again is because male affection is whatever. Right. Um, as the pejorativized, <laughs> it can't just be male affection. It has to be yeah. like, you know, let's put a bro word on it. So yeah, there, there is those, those elements, but like as an action movie, as cinematic excess, as, and like with a further caveat, as I'm sure if people have watched a lot of like, modern Indian action cinema, they might right. watch that and go, why does everyone care? Because uh, I feel like we get this sometimes of a film comes out that captures the zeitgeist. We're like, mate, if you not watch like, the 12 films before this, right. that like are that, um, it's nice to be on the other side of that once and been like, this is so exciting and different and feel like actually there's a wide world of cinema. I know that Jack Davenport, friend of the pod, um, has explored more of it and I'll be looking to him for pointers at some point. Yeah, definitely in either way, like it's exciting, like this being like, it's very much marketed as like India's biggest blockbuster and it's had mm. a very awesome like theatrical presence in the States. And it's awesome to see so many people like getting attached to that. And that's awesome. And definitely for me, and it seems like for a lot of other people, like it's opened a window into that yeah. region of cinema, which I'm very interested to explore. So yeah, yeah it's great a, movie. I, over here, I'm just like, I've seen the bog standard, like such as Ray movies. And I'm like, there you go. I've got my highfalutin Indian cinema <laughs> on. And now it's like good right. to get like, the, the proper stuff. Um, yeah. So yes. And finally, men. Men, yeah. Uh, so you, I saw that a little while ago. Mm. Uh, my site, my review site. is on the site. Yep. Um, and then you just very evocative, very good. Yeah, I, I, I'll start. I think it just sucks. I think it's a really bad movie. <laughs> <I think>. um, <laughs> yeah, I'd like it a little more than you do. Although it's one that's aging poorly as time mm. goes on. Um, as do most mind. men, to be fair. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, I like Alex Garland a lot. So I was very excited for this movie, but kind of watching it, I was like, yeah, you just, this, it doesn't, and it's, I get the, there's a criticism of this criticism where the most, the most widely, I think, echoed criticism of men is why did a man make this movie? Yeah. And I think there are certainly reasons to not love that as a piece yeah. of criticism, but I do think the movie doesn't justify itself and it mostly tries to tell a story through the perspective of a woman and it doesn't really evoke anything beyond very service level stuff. 
yeah, I, th- I think men can and should make films about the patriarchy because they're complicit in it. Right. So I think if you look at something like Takashi Miike's audition, I think that's an excellent example of like an yeah. understanding of of the predatoriness and filming importantly for the male gaze because the story is from the male gaze. I think this makes the issue of the the story is is a female gay story, yes. but is is inherently from the male gaze. I mentioned this in my review of it, which you find on my letterbox page, of this sense of obviously a lot of men have made brilliant films of masculinity and that is true but i think in general um women make better films of masculinity because men fundamentally don't have to do right. masculinity. they don't have to whereas all women and people you know all along the gender spectrum that don't conform to masculinity as an external concept have to deal with masculinity because the patriarchy yeah. therefore the unpicking and standing is necessary to get your way through life um and the sense of like the female gaze and the male gaze often means something very specific about like a leering sensibility, like Michael Bay filming a Transformers ass and Megan Fox's ass in the same way <laughs> is very right. much the male gaze. I feel like this film is the male gaze, but not in the voyeuristic way, in a sustained way of it feels very masculine rooted. Um, and it's trying to present a subjective female experience. And yeah. it's strangely, I didn't want to allude to this one in my review because I don't want to bring the person up, but I will do now advisedly. Um, but so yeah a warning for mention of Roman Polanski um but it reminded me of his movie which I've just forgotten the name of um oh Jesus Christ um the only one that's coming to my mind is Repulsion but I don't know yes thank you very much um reminds me of Repulsion which is a really good view of like the discomfort of like femininity in the world around and then you realize that uh, you're really good at evoking that because you are Right. beyond complicit in that um but i don't think like men gets to that level i think just men just like has a basic idea of being like i learned that men are trash yeah um, and it just doesn't go beyond i you shared to me a really interesting review of it from jeff vandermeer who is a writer that i really love um, uh, i won't take credit for that that was cormac that shared that oh oh sorry well you know i'm, I'm very known for forgetting <laughs> cormac to be fair it's one of <laughs> So sorry, Who? Cormac. <laughs> Who? I uh, don't know him. Um, so yeah, so you shared with me a wonderful review from Jeff Vandermeer, which was biting as hell, um, which I enjoyed because obviously I've been on record critiquing um, Annihilation a lot because right. it's not a great adaptation of the Jeff Vandermeer book, but I like, um, but that review feels beyond just him getting his. and It just feels yeah. like a very solid takedown. I think we both disagree a bit. I think we think the ending sequence is better than he thinks it is. Yeah, I do like the ending sequence. I mean, mm. I think that, of everything in the movie that is the the best at just being like evocative imagery that yeah. speaks to an idea and rather than just being like this kind of like agrees these, these surface level platitudes that don't present very much um and it's also just gnarly and gory which is awesome yeah though, though, though i think like i mean at the risk of i mean there's so slight spoilers it's a spoiler show but you know we didn't promise men spoilers so sorry but like a very slight spoiler that i think the connection points of me are brian news and society which is what i really really love um and to an extent under the skin um but it doesn't quite get to it kind of like cast a line between both of them like the the effects are not as good as brand new society like they don't have like the squelchiness like plasticity of that so it right. looks a bit kind of like eh. like i like what it's doing conceptually but apart from that one great um effect effect of like the hands putting open i think the rest of the effects are kind of like okay um and it's could I, I wish the rest of the film was more in that tenor that it started like yeah. a bit earlier in that space and was you're right a bit more like evocative and strange <clears throat> absurd but it's just just pretty stupid repetitive kind of boring mostly kind of like bland movie yeah yeah it's disappointing yeah. because like i said like i and obviously you have your own sort of disagreements with alex garland i want to like garland i like him right. in theory a lot um, um 
but since I like everything he's made so much yeah. up until this point, like it was really disappointing to just be like, oh, this doesn't really do anything, you know, that's interesting. Mm. Like, I feel like all of his other films have are really interesting sort of conversation pieces yeah. and like the things that they do. And this is just kind of like, okay, you know, what, what do you, what is the point of any of this? Why are you, why are I you agree. making this movie? I would like to point out that whoever does the trailers for Garland movies is the best in the business because I, me- I remember watching the Ex Machina trailer and thinking that looks like the greatest film ever. I remember watching the Men trailer being like, this oh, looks yeah. like my kind of thing. And both times I've been like, oh, well, Ex Machina, I was like, oh, that was good, but it wasn't quite right. what it was going to be. And this time I was like, oh, well, that was bad, actually. So whoever's <laughs> doing those trailers, like, keep at it because you're not smashing it. Um, that is our what? What would you? What did you call it? The grab bag. Uh, of grab bag of recent releases. <laughs> so that's men and uh, the secrets of Dumbledore. Uh, yeah. So now let's talk about our main Ugh, movie. Let's ostracize all of the listeners <laughs> as well. I will. I will ostracize the listeners <laughs> apart from the four people that agree with me. I've I've actually counted them <laughs> because I've been keeping a tally on my review. Um, Talk to Maverick. Um, let's set let's set the table here of um because I feel my my opinion of Top Maverick is very much hinged on my opinion of Top Gun, which I was gonna say. So I don't I don't have a whole lot to say about um Joseph Kaczynski, the director of Maverick. Um, he oh, made. Oh well, then we'll get to that too. Um, but <laughs> he sucks, is what I have to say. <laughs> He's, I've seen um, two of his movies and they're both bad. <laughs> but to go back to the original Top Gun, I did want to talk about Tony Scott, mm. uh, who is a very interesting director and I actually meant to bring up his filmography. So let me it's do brilliant. that very quickly. Absolutely brilliant. I'm on another podcast, well, I've been on a podcast but it's not posted up yet. Who knows when time's gone of the, the great movies pod talking about um, Top Gun specifically, but obviously I bring up Top Gun Maverick a lot because I've just seen right. it. Um, and they are huge. And um, Dylan Quayer is like a huge Tony Scott fan as is Jonna. Um, and they talk about his filmography a lot and i make a point there that i'll reiterate here but i think tony scott especially above ridley and ridley scott's a great comparison here of ridley scott's films many of which i think are masterpieces many of which right. are air but ridley scott is so like if the material is good the movie may be good if the material is not very good the movie will absolutely fall apart right. whereas tony scott has this unparalleled ability to take what is like pulp or okay and make something yeah. awesome out of it like absolutely. unstoppable is a great example of that unstoppable is, awesome. is a great example of that like these films that should not work but he's such a such a slick visualist has such just like energy behind the camera just does something to just like it's just direction just directs the hell yeah. out of movies he's like it's yeah there's it's hard to like pick what where he, he's a very like reverent director like he just takes that material and he has like such appreciation for what he's working with mm. like unstoppable really is the best example because it's such like a ridiculous movie but it's stupid as hell it, it's so good and there's like so much mm. actual tension and like i love that movie it's so much fun to it's watch great. I, I remember watching that at the cinema uh, as a gag because we went with my uni friends in first year we went to see a film we went, to see, we went to see a film at some point and we saw a trailer for that movie and we just had this joke <laughs> going about, oh my God, that's the longest one ever because the train doesn't stop. Every time I see those friends, we even, we even claim we are still in the cinema watching Unstoppable because the train doesn't stop. Um, <laughs> therefore, it's, 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 it's the eternal film. Um, so spoilers for Unstoppable, the title is misleading. Um, but yeah, we saw that film as a gag and we're like, actually, that was really good. <laughs> it's great, yeah. It's like one of those that like, it's probably the best example to me of like a movie that I saw as a kid and I was like, oh, I love this movie because I was a kid yeah. and you kind of just like everything. And then I watched yeah, it when yeah. I was older and I was like, this is pretty good. And then yeah. I started getting more into movies and I was like, it's unstoppable good. And I watched it again and I'm like, yeah, this is, yeah. Just, this is good movie. This is great it's stuff. Good. Yeah. Um, Tony Scott is great. I yeah. still need to watch, um, oh, what's his vampire movie? I think you The Hunger, me. yes. I need to watch The Hunger I is phenomenal. That to me, yeah. which, oh, 
very excited to watch that. I'm going to watch it as part of Pride Month as well because I saw it on Paris list and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. good. Definitely, definitely one to watch. So yeah, the only, just looking at what I've seen of his, the only movie that, I, and I'm, I feel like I'm kind of in the minority, at least among the people I know, but I really did not like Domino. I know a lot of people that love I've that movie. I've never seen it, but I know people that don't like it as well, to be fair. Yeah. Those that I know that have seen it, like I thought I spoke it was, to about it, do not like it. I thought it was terrible. It's like the the worst example to me of just like an abundance of, it's it's like a lot of the time Tony Scott what he does so well like like we've been saying is like he takes that style and he makes it work really well and it's like excess that works but Domino to me is just like way too much and it's just like the worst of like two thousands that style that's just like really grating and it's too much for me uh, but I know so, a lot of people love it. I guess what you're saying to summarize you're saying there is if you were to take the PS one game no one can stop Mr Domino I guess he did stop Mr Domino. <laughs> God damn it. You've always got like something that I don't even know what in the world you're talking about. Well, you're gonna have to bang at some point. No one can stop Mr. Domino. Certainly. I'll be I'll be binging that after this podcast. Yeah, good, 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 good. Sponsored <laughs> by Bing. Um, but Top Gun, the original Top Gun, what are your thoughts? Um, I really like Top Gun. It's a movie that I, I I watch kind of like out of obligation for my full extended thoughts. Please listen to the great movies pod where I talk about it for like two hours or whatever. Um my comedy take on Top Gun is the it is not a movie about tops or guns. It is a movie about a bunch of theatre kids who want to be in theatre, but just happen to be terrible at singing and dancing and turn <laughs> out that it's actually they're really talented at flying planes. <laughs> so they end up in flight school instead. That's the vibe they'll get. Every Absolutely. time it's Top Gun, which is only a, a couple of times, like really, but like it's a film that's existed in the consciousness yeah. for a long time. It's, it is goofier than you think it is and goofier than you remember. And I really like like the cheeseballness of it. I really like the, the script isn't very good but is executed with earnestness um, right. to the sense that like it realizes that they're kind of like idiot jerks but kind of like harmless yeah. idiot jerks apart from the one point where tom cruise follows a lady into a bathroom that bit's really creepy um the the funniest about top gun is it expects you to think that tom cruise can have a romantic connection with him apart from himself that's very funny to watch <laughs> um because he is so in love with himself and the rest oh of yeah it. That does not work. Um, and no, the movie is, is 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 good. I really like it. It's really goofy. I like the way that it's like a musical in that the the plane sequences like are more evocative than they are actually like fighting sequences. Yeah. And they move like dancers in the air. They're like punctuating moments for the wider plot. And the wider plot is just goofballs being goofballs. And it's about a relationship in the center between two men. And it's 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 fun. And the last 20 minutes kind of sucks and gets like military industrial complexy and kind of like, eh. And then they take that tone and make a movie out of it. But um, <laughs> Top Gun, thumbs up. Like it. Yeah, no, I like Top Gun a lot. And like you say, like the script, there's not much of it. And no. <laughs> it's 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 great. Like, it's hard to even like this. It's like an action vibe movie. Like there's just yes. not much going on. They're just like hanging out and there's planes flying around. And mm, like that Tony Scott style, like the way he films yeah. all of it. it. It is just awesome. Um, and I think to transition into talking about Maverick, like you have to do Maverick differently because you just, there's no way to recreate the way that Tony Scott directed a movie. And I do appreciate, I mean, right. I do appreciate that they didn't attempt to just mimic that style because it wouldn't have worked to have anyone else making that. 
Which is like, yeah, but then when the entire film is just like a recycling of beats from the previous film, like why take that one divergence if then you're going to converge completely? Like that's where it falls apart for me because I agree, like be stylistically different, but the stylistic difference is just like coming up against just like, there are so many scenes, so we're in full spawning mode now. So the key moment for me where I was just like, oh God, this movie, I don't really care, is where there's a succession of moments that just happen to set up a moment where you can go, oh, that happened in the previous film and it's so nakedly pointless and it's it's the it's the bar scene. So um, Maverick um, is in the bar and he slightly embarrasses himself but doesn't pay for the drinks and he gets kicked out. And that happens. So then the people that kick him out, he, they arrive at flight school the next day and it turns out that guy they kicked out was their right. teacher. A bit embarrassing. Only reason that scene exists is in the previous film, he goes to a bar tries to pick up a woman, embarrass himself a bit, and it turns the next day she walks in as a teacher. That's the only reason that scene exists in this film is go like, remember that previous movie? Like, yeah, yeah, I do remember that previous movie. And what? And the entire film is just like a succession of that. Him playing great balls of fire on the piano whilst he looks like plaintively for a window, just there because that was a thing in that previous movie. Why not? And it's, it's interesting you say that because that was a lot of what you talked about in your review, which mm. I saw this movie the first time like a month ago. And yes. so since it had been such a long time, I... I had saw it again literally like an hour ago, like this morning, yeah. <laughs> because I was like, I need to make sure this is fresh in my memory. But so then like having your review in mind and watching it, like I was thinking about that aspect of it. And it just, I don't know, for me, it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way. Like I understand that a lot of it is just echoing the first movie, but I think that one for me, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's, I don't know. There's something about it to me that's not as in my face um, as mm. obviously it feels to you. And then I also think that importantly, at a certain point, it diverges from that. You know, that second half, the first half, yes, is a lot of yes. kind of this is what the first movie was. And it's sort of this kind of got this vibey hangout feel. But then it does take a turn where it's like, OK, but we're doing something different now and it's much more serious and it's much more about being in the air and being in the planes this time. So, but, but yeah, but like, why is there a um, a beach American football scene in the film? Why is that? <laughs> well, I can't defend that, but I do like that. <laughs> <laughs> and to the point where the film even the film even like notes it's pointless. Like they even have a character I'm like, why are you doing this? They're like, uh, to make a dim. Like no, the, the, the characters say because of a film that came out like over twenty years ago. <laughs> I mean, but again, like I do to me within the context of the film, it it does make sense. Like because there is a lot of animosity between all of the pilots and when you are only going up in the air and dog fighting and their only mode is competition to then mm -hmm. you know take a break from that and just be doing something that's just enjoyable and fun and it does Which, build if that, that was that not transmuted through competitive sports <laughs> would make sense but <laughs> you think these ultra competitive people sound like don't become competitive when playing a game together i'm like i, I don't really follow the logic there but i think that the, the line there is that they're playing a game that doesn't exist. Like they're playing football and they're playing offense and defense at the same time. Like it's not real. Like they're not, I think I could understand if it was just straight up people, football. I, like I, I spend time with like outdoorsy folk and like ultra competitive folks. And like, it doesn't matter how, like how unreal the game is. People will take it very, very seriously. And we'll make something out of that. And for me, I'm just like, like it, it's the, me the mechanism of the film is so apparent to me every point. And I think that's because I think the direction is so soulless. I think it's just this film okay. likes planes. This one likes planes and people in planes and it wants to shove cameras in planes. And like, 
I could make so many obvious criticisms about the first Top Gun, but it wins me over, so I don't. Right. Because this film does not win me over. I'm like, that's stupid, that's stupid. Most of Top Gun <laughs> is stupid. Most of it is really dumb. Doesn't make You're not sense. wrong. But here I'm just like, now I care. Okay. No, and I think that's fair. And we did briefly go over Joseph Kaczynski, but so, so what have you seen of his previous? I mean, I've, I've seen Tron Legacy, which I, one of okay. the, one of my earliest conversations I remember with my, with my partner, Emma, is her talking, we were talking about movies, and she said that the worst film that she has seen is Tron Legacy. And my head has been like, I'm sure that's not the worst film, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. She talked about like wanting to walk out of it. And I was like, well, that's pretty extreme. And I did not watched it until like last year or the year before, so a long time. And I was like, I'm sure it'll be fine. And I watched it, I was like, this is awful like it is genuinely <laughs> genuinely awful it's so ugly it's so pointless it's and again it's like legacy sequel for the sake of it and emma is right it is truly atrocious it is a soundtrack in want of a film that soundtrack is brilliant yes um, the use it very well and the film is just ugly and bland and but it's ugly in a way where it's like has a like a professional sheen and i think top gun maverick is bland nothing aesthetic but like technically impressive and i actually dislike that as an aesthetic i'm like this is metallic sheen of that's technically well shot and you really kept that plane in frame but why like top gunners he doesn't keep the planes in frame right. they like shift in and out it's evocative like they exist for something the planes here exist to be like hardcore planes that hard people fly in yeah it's and i saw tron legacy in theaters when it came out and i barely remember it there's a huge you know number of people that really love that movie so i mm. i am interested in revisiting it at some point i don't expect that i would like it um the soundtrack is amazing um i've also seen oblivion which i thought was terrible uh, when i saw it in theaters um another tom cruise movie actually um but i just remember i was like, playing a game yesterday that's like it's like it's hard, i won't describe the exact thing but it's like it's this like layage like charades articulate thing and one of the prompts in it was someone written down the film oblivion and the person that wrote it down described it in like taboo stuff so i couldn't say oblivion and they just said the phrase it's a movie there's a triangle in the sky and tom cruise and they want to kill the moon and i was like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> that's oh man I, I don't honestly remember a whole lot of what like the specifics of the movie are. Um, I do clearly remember I saw it with a bunch of friends in high school and like it was one of the first movies that I remember like walking out of and they were all like, oh man, that was great. And I was like, what are you people talking about? What did you mm. just watch? This movie was awful. That was um, me in Transformers 2. And people <laughs> like, I was like, that was abysmal. And they're like, that was fun. I'm like, no, it was not. Wow, I can't imagine anyone liking Transformers 2, but mm. um but yeah, so I did not like that movie. I don't have any interest in revisiting that. Um, and I know he has a couple other movies that I have not seen. I'm not sure what the general attitude is on those. I appreciate that, um, terrible. <laughs> you're probably right. But I do like Maverick quite a lot. Um, and I, I do see what you're saying. It is a very, the, the way it's shot is a very contemporary and sort of, like you said, like it's much more flat. Like it's not mm -hmm. Tony Scott, the way that he shot stuff was very, like you said, like it's very evocative and colorful and reverent. And this doesn't quite do this. I mean, it's this has reverence for the planes themselves, but it doesn't necessarily mm. have that same level of like, you know, saturated, like kind of like sunset sky kind of thing. Um, but I do think it's shot well. It's just, again, like it's a different style. I just like from the beginning, I just like the opening shot bit I was in, even though it was just like, it's literally just Top Gun. Like the, the, yeah. the opening sequence is Top Gun. And then it cuts playing like, oh, that was that just to, like, literally like, okay, that was 
unlinked to the rest of the film. And then it goes to this ridiculous sequence of just like Maverick's a Maverick, which didn't need to be in the, in the movie at all. Like you could skip this entire thing. And like, it's just, he wants to go fast in a plane in the sky and that's going to like save like government bureaucracy because we want people in planes to kill people. And it's like, it's like the strangest like argument against like the mechanization of warfare. It's like, we need we need people up there. It's like, yeah. not, the, the military apparatus is not the problem. It's the, no, we need, we need people in there to shoot the people. Um, and like, it's got this ridiculous moment of which ruined the stakes of the film from the beginning of Tom Cruise is like basically in space going faster than any man before the plane explodes cut to he's fine I'm like oh okay well and what and that is the tenor of the rest of the film of it is like it wants you to get to the emotional resonance being like oh no but it never wants to push you beyond that emotional moment and it does that twice again at the end of I thought something impactful right. happened of like a character does a sacrifice and they go they want you to have that moment of like Oh, sacrifice, and then go. But don't worry, the men will always survive. It's interesting. It's interesting you say that because I was keeping that in in mind. This specifically, this viewing today. The first time I watched it, it was kind of like as soon as it went into like that. Admittedly, like I went into that, that Top Gun sequence at the beginning, and it was just like, like especially like the energy of like seeing movies at like those kinds of screenings. It's just like you just get into it, and mm. it was like that music is that that the Top Gun anthem is such a great song. And, and it was just like, it, right. I watched that IMAX. It was that, that bit. I was just like, yeah, yeah Top Gun. Like, like, it was oh, exciting. Was, I was and, not there. <laughs> and so, like, for me, like, I was like, okay. And then you just are kind of like in the mode with the movie. And so it was interesting to see it again and be like, am I going to still match that energy? And it was a little bit different. I was a little bit more muted because I saw an IMAX originally and this was just a normal screen, which was unfortunate because I think this movie really does benefit yeah. from a giant and screen. And it's shot in right. that way, I believe. But I was keeping in mind the whole time like that, the idea of like those stakes, like the first movie does, like they kill Goose and that's like mm. a, a huge moment of like, there are actual stakes here. I think that moment's really powerful because like, right. there's like an ambiguous complicity in that moment as well. And like the systemic complicity of being like, is this a stupid thing that we are doing? And is this dangerous? Yeah. And what was the point? And it doesn't overeg that. And in this, it kind of like, Oh, it's just, and then this movie, like I had just that silly thing of being like, I, your mom told me to start, we'll get to that later. That bit is, is, nonsense but sorry um but yeah i was like i was keeping that in mind the whole time and like thinking about it and like kind of as it's getting into that final sequence i'm like yeah it's it's true there aren't really any of those same stakes i mean it shows like that some of the pilots do you know struggle and get injured and there are things that happen but there is none of that moment where it's like oh there are real stakes here but somehow anyway like i feel like the filmmaking in that final sequence to me like the fact that there are no stakes and that I knew that there weren't any stakes I didn't really matter to me and like I still mm -hmm. felt that tension like I feel like that final sequence is so well done and like I was still like on the edge of my seat anyway even on that second watch and I was just I was I was with it yeah I just I just felt it trying to like this is my I will try and say quite shortly my like little like speech on man feelings of like this movie is just like man feelings the movie of being like it is trying to yeah. articulate this somewhat it's just trying to operate this very limited range of like how emotive men are allowed to be <laughs> and never push beyond that and that's so mollifying to me and I find that really kind of like repulsive of like we're going to keep you just and uh, people keep saying this as praise I've seen so many posts like and they're kind of like jokes they're not of being like my dad didn't cry at my wedding but he cried almost like that's the problem like yeah. this is this manufactured thing to make you feel false, emo false emotion to be like oh my god Tom Cruise is such a hero and it's like oh, I, I absolutely don't care but there's one moment in the film that's actually brilliant which is yes. the Val Kilmer scene which I think is astonishing because it pushes beyond the expected emotional range right. and the rest of the film is just like 
is emotional edging, which just sounds crude, <laughs> but it is just that. It's like, we're going to get you just to the point of almost feeling something, but be like, but don't worry. The military is here. The men are here. It goes back to bravado. And we can save the day. And it's just like, it's just toying around in this like mode of emotional proximity, which I just find just, I don't know, grotesque. I just, it just. Yeah. Yeah. I will say like I, the wider film, I don't think for me, as much as I enjoy it, it doesn't really have any of that like emotional resonance. Like there's not, none of those moments like to me even as, as far as like that tension goes like i'm not like oh man tom cruise what a hero but yes that val kilmer sequence like both it's, times it's i saw it i was brilliant. like man it, it's i mean especially um i don't know if did you watch that documentary val no i have not um i listened to david talk about it at length on the twin geeks cast at that point now the twin geeks um but no yeah no, i've not watched it i know that you have yeah, it, it's, it's pretty good. I don't think it's amazing, um, but it's still like it's it, you get all that context for where he's mm. at in his life right now and like what he's gone through. And then the movie like uses that in such a smart way. And it's just I don't know, it's touching to see him one in the movie. And it's like it's a movie that he has yeah. so much love for. And like he just yeah. loves being Iceman. And so for like him to be in the movie and the way that they use him, I think is just it's it's really great. Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I totally agree. It's just like the rest of the film is just such a dud for me of that sense of being like, there's a point right. towards the end where they announce like the flight roster and like he picks like basic, I mean, basically like surrogate nephew character, like picks him just for plot reasons. Like, there's no, re- there's literally no reason to pick that character. Like it's in danger of the mission. Like you shouldn't, this person's not shown themselves to be actually adequate. And the film is all about like channeling, but it's like, but that has to happen because of plot. And they just little characters. I'm like, oh, that's a character. They're a character. They exist. And it was just such evidence of like oh i'm not invested in anyone here i don't care i feel like the first film uses flying as an extension of character to like showboat around yeah. and this tries to do that there's too many characters it doesn't really matter yeah i i will agree with you there and i mean almost as always i do agree and understand almost all of your criticisms <laughs> it's just like then i'm watching it and i'm like yeah but i really like this movie yeah um but yeah i will say like the characters are not as well fleshed out in this movie and there are characters that i like and i as I'm sure that you want to get into, like there are problems with the the rooster storyline, but yeah. um, he is more of a character. I do like uh, Hangman as a character, but the other characters are just kind of like, kind of non-existent. They're and just well, there. And, and, and we get to, I mean, the, the, the change at the beginning of it, they used to say men in the beginning of like the title card. And now it's like men and women. And we've got like the, the token woman here. People talk about like, she's one of the guys. Like that's kind of the problem for me of like, she is rather than the film, widening out to be more open it's like we pulled her into the patriarchy if like we made her one of the dudes one of the dudes is a girl now it's kind of like the point which again like there's room for praise there but just it it adds the homogeneity of the film myself yeah that's fair so let's talk about rooster what are your thoughts on uh the use of rooster in this movie i mean the timeline doesn't make sense that doesn't really matter like like the the (laughs) age of the character is stupid um doesn't really matter whatever um it reminds me of like a moment I don't like in the first Top Gun, um, which is like, you know, towards the beginning where there's like the bar scene, um, which was about before. And it's like they had this like, let's like pick up girls competition. Yeah. Um, and then it's revealed later that the um, goose just has like a, a wife and a kid. Like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> That's and, like, a good point. And, and they walk in and I, I was speaking to Emma and I watched it together the second time and they walk in and like um, goose decides to be like, like his wife walks in and goes, Oh, you know, Goose has told me about all your exploits. And I'd be like, I expect them to be like, oh, has he now? Oh, has he? What if I tell you about Mr. Goose's exploits then? I bet he's been giving some of them quiet. Um, so yeah, there is this sort of like my, the Miles Teller reveal, like baby Miles Teller. Um, 
let's just ignore the obvious criticism that he's just like so perfunctorily there to make it a plot. Um, yeah. I mean, I think ultimately he's fine. It's just the arc is just so, so contrived to the extent they don't really find a reason. The reason, yeah. like, the mum didn't want you to go to... It's just like, it never quite makes enough sense. And, like, the blame is so vague and strange. And it's like, movie, find a better reason for this to happen. Like, actually right. do the stakes of having Maverick make the inappropriate... It's, again, the film is never willing to go full emotional and actually make you think, maybe Tom Cruise isn't a great guy. I'm going to call him Tom Cruise, because it might as well be Tom Cruise. Um, maybe he's not a great guy. Of that sense of being like, no, he actually made the bad call of trying to protect you, which is actually beyond his duties. They right. should have actually committed to, no, I actually did. They're like, actually, I did it because of your dead mom and because I'm still a hero. That's what gets in the way. I don't know. I think... My problem with Bruce's characters that don't like the film enough for the character to work. And when it comes down to them just like hanging out and talking, yeah. it's just it's just perfunctory to me. The performance is fine in the same way that Tom Cruise is fine. Um, and the likeness is really uncanny and impressive that way. Yeah, um, I, I was thinking about that, especially this this watch today. I was like, he really does like nail that mm. look. Like it's it's a good casting as far as that. What a difference concerned. in moustache makes. Like it's like it's, That's it's true. It's, <laughs> yeah. Um no, you're right. That that storyline, that arc is definitely very inserted in a way that doesn't quite end up working. Like it makes sense to me in terms of his mother, like her husband died doing this and it makes sense, makes coherent sense to me that she would not then want her son to do the same mm, thing. Yeah, that does make sense. Right. <laughs> Agreed. And, you know, and I he can... inserts himself awkwardly into that. Right. Like, and I mean, I can even understand his his character's action as far as trying to do that protection, but then they don't play, they don't actually go through with that storyline in an effective way. And it, the way that it is, and it ends up being kind of muddied in with the, the final act and the action, and it doesn't quite work as well as it should. Um, so I can, I, I don't love that, but. I've just realized something of the, like, okay. the key differentiation in taste of us two is okay. there's a thing that I don't like, a thing that you do like, as has been shown by two films we've watched together. Well, not together, but for this podcast. You apparently really like movies in which an important backstory is someone's mom was complicit in something to the extent the dad or other character had to cover it up to make for a strange backstory point to make our hero more impactful and emotional stakes, by which I mean the Martha Wayne moment in The Batman and the Top Gun thing here. They are eerily <laughs> similar. It does like, that doesn't really make any sense at all. And actually kind of like undercuts a lot of stuff, but fine, I guess. I think it's more, <laughs> it, it's, I mean, it's ultimately, it's probably uh, a flaw of mine, but I think it's more just like, <laughs> If a movie does enough for me, I just, I, yeah, and there's and certain and things it, that I just, that's what it should, right? That I just, I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, this storyline doesn't quite work, but I enjoyed the wider other aspects of it I, enough. Where I think is when you are watching something, you find that stuff and you're like, ass, yeah, right. Um, it, it impacts the wider thing for you. Whereas for me, it, it's the opposite. Yeah. Which is, which makes conversation worthwhile. And um, I think the, the last two things we should, really touch upon um before going to emails i know we've got at least a couple is i think the wider framework of the the story um of we are going to do this mission yeah and before that let's talk about the the flying sequences um because obviously they are exceptional in terms of the amount of like incredible footage they've got actually inside planes of planes doing yeah. wild stuff real planes doing brilliant things so you first yeah i mean the the stunt work is incredible i mean there is certainly and i think the movie is trying to do this in a lot of ways like there is a conversation that the movie is trying to have about doing this stuff practically mm. and i mean it's sort of like 
and you're talking about within the movie's framework, like that, that, that initial sequence doesn't really work for the movie. But I think the, no. the purpose of that initial sequence is that it's trying to have this wider conversation about how movie making is trying to move away from doing things in that yeah. very specific and practical way that makes for better films. And there is this last sort of leg of people that are still trying to keep that alive. And it's sort of that battle between those two things. And so this movie does have extremely exceptional stunt work and it is really amazing to watch, you know, both times I've seen it, like, I'm just like in awe of like the way that they've shot some of that stuff. And it, it's really amazing, I will say. Yeah, I just, I just, I just wish I cared. Genuinely, I really wish I cared. I just, it, it goes back to a key problem with both Top Gun films is that they want, they want to be about warplanes, but they don't want to be about war, and that's just such like that disconnect yeah. is never going to work. They want to pretend they exist in this like vague apoliticism of being like we just fly planes and are good at it, and Top Gun coast by and being about a school. And, that, and right. that kind of works up until the end. And this, I just, obviously, I have too many hang-ups about stuff and take things too seriously, but, like, there is a degree of military fetishism that I just am anathema to, that I'm just like, I just don't care about warplanes. I just don't care at all. No, and I don't think... political. I just don't care. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. planes go, vroom, I, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that's, like, a problem. Like, I think that's totally fair. I think that's a, a perfectly valid criticism of this movie. And I think it's, it's one that, especially on the first watch, that I was, like, really trying to get to, because the original movie is a very like sort of famously propagandistic because it was mm. like used as a recruiting platform and like there were recruiters yeah, outside theaters um and you know i've read stories of like people that saw that movie and joined the navy because yeah. of it um and so it's like that was an important thing of like me trying to watch this movie and being like where is this going to land in that and it's it's pretty much inescapable to a degree like you can't get away from that for what the movie is about but I was trying to sort of parse through like the way that they they do use that sort of faux apoliticism yeah. and just like trying to think of like, what's that trying to do and what is that, what is the purpose of that? And it's it's difficult because I think on the one hand, like I think it's sort of advantageous in that in a more disconnected sense, it takes the movie away from feeling like it's stuck in a certain time period like you can mm. watch this at any point and because it doesn't specify like a an aggressor <laughs> yes like because we're not... in an eternal state of war yes because of an industrial well, conflict. yeah <laughs> that's also true but like i said like more disconnected like you're yeah, not yeah. saying like oh this was obviously made in the time where we were terrified of russia or whatever you know like it it's more lasting in that way but at the yeah. same time like you said like when you don't include that then it feels like it's not actually saying anything which you know there's plenty to be said about that as well i just i i think i just prefer the way that tony scott uses um planes as a wider visual as opposed to just as planes um i yeah. just yeah like it's it, it again i go back to it's very technically impressive what the planes do but i would never choose to go to like an air show and watch that stuff anyway it just not even like not even in a political sense it just does just, just not interest me that much as like a visual and as a spectacle yeah. i would not watch the red arrows and i like this movie is like red arrows the movie which probably is not a reference that works outside the uk never mind. <laughs> um which i think is totally fair like and i was thinking today like i i don't necessarily have like a huge fondness for planes or anything like it's not something that i am extremely into <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's a Disney movie, is it? Yeah, planes, planes. It's a planes because it's set in the Cars universe. Planes. Is it set in the Cars universe? I thought it was like I a DreamWorks so. Cars ripoff kind of thing. Oh god! Well, you keep talking. I'm gonna look up <laughs> okay. Planes is set in the Cars universe. Well, <laughs> to Top Gun, I was I was thinking about that and like 
I don't necessarily have that specific fondness for planes, but I was thinking about my... I was right. Well, there you go. That shows what I know about Story planes. by John Lasseter. That's a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a cinematic gap that I'm okay with having. <laughs> I mean, I've not seen it. <laughs> Just any knowledge of it whatsoever. Who am I, Jack Davenport? No, I'm not seeing planes. <laughs> um, but anyway... What I'm trying to get at is um, my grandfather served in the Air Force and he loves planes. And like, that's like all I've ever, yes, he's a huge fan of planes, the Disney movie. Um, and he, um, here in Washington, there is a um, museum of flight and he worked there for like, I don't know, 20 years or something like that, like a cool. volunteer and giving talks and stuff. And so he's always like, he is like the plain person. And, you know, I think that probably just, even though I don't have yeah. that necessarily the same thing, like that sort of bleeds through. And so I was thinking about that today, like, oh yeah, that's probably why, like I have that sort of sense of appreciation for it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there you yeah. Go. That, 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 that's very interesting. Thank you. Thank you for that. That was nice. <laughs> um, so the mission, because I, I complain in my review about like the kind of like the narrow narrative of just everything just being pushed towards this inevitable thing. And it just feels very suffocating for me of being like, we're so, and it's like, you know, it's, it's screenplay structure stuff, but it feels so boring screenplay structure, especially when the original Top Gun is so much better than its screenplay structure. Um, and again, Tony Scott right. is good at transcending that. Um, and to be boringly political again, I mean, the interventionist fable that is this film of just like, when they set up being like, it's, it's Team America World Police is what it is. It is just like, the bad people have bad uranium. Now let's talk right. about the uranium that we have. Like we are involved in so many like horrible things. Let's forget that. Let's just imagine that we live in a world where we can just fly our planes over there and just destroy. It's just like radical violent interventionism, which yes, the thing they're stopping is a bad thing, but it's also this like perspective, like yeah. theoretical bad thing. It's like, just make it be a, I, I talked about this with, with my partner and I was like, I, I get what it has to be this way because they want the film to end in a dogfight. So therefore it must right. be an act of aggression because they need a dogfight because this film should be about a rescue mission or like saving somebody. It should be, we are sending planes into danger to get someone out of it. And like, they should then work out the dogfight on that because it's just this weird interventionist, just like nonsense that I just like, I don't like your mission. I don't like the fact that the things built around it. And I don't like what this says about like the moral righteousness of the US Air Force. And it goes back to this being more propagandistic than the first one, because the film is literally about, we are the best, we go in, we save the day from the bad people, which the first one was not about. Yeah, it is. I, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. I, I think it does try to sort of quickly gloss over that. Like it, it very quickly does the bad exposition. Of like what's happening and then it's like okay now let's get to the training and get to the planes and then you know ultimately here's the mission and you know again that's that's totally fair and i don't disagree i think that's a not the best way to to frame it and i'm not really sure if there is a good way to frame it like i do i get what you're saying i do like the idea of like more of a sort of a rescue mission although then it just becomes me trying to figure out how the movie we made differently which is not really a productive conversation yeah, 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 yeah. um but but yeah, I totally, I totally understand what that, what your perspective is there. I think that makes perfect sense as far as that framework being negative and it ultimately feeling probably more propagandistic than the original was. Yeah, I, mean, I think so. But I mean, then also it's like, there is some, to be fair to it, there is some, there is actual criticism of the military state in this film, which there is not at all in the first film. Yes. And yes, it's very like milk toasty, lukewarm criticism that kind of puts in the wrong place, but that's something at least i guess yeah i think i think the movie just at large like it's hard to make this kind of movie because i think 
I mean, when you think about it from a wider context, it's like they have to work with the military to make this movie because otherwise you don't have planes. And so it's, trains. there is a conflict there that's sort of inherent to the construction of the film that's I'm sure difficult to work around. And so it's like hard to make that in any way. And of course that then goes down to, yeah. Should they have made this at all? But that's you know again not, a, yeah, yeah. not necessarily a productive <laughs> no, no, useful. Of course, yeah. They were always going to make this because of course right. they were. Um, so do you have any wider points, or should we see what our listeners have to say? I think let's see what our listeners have to say. Welcome back. Yes. Dear spoilers. Emailer. I rank all emailers. <laughs> I'm not ranking the emailers. I appreciate I everyone. Okay. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, dear spoilers, I was incredibly touched and humbled to listen to how much time and attention was given to my previous email. I assure you, this one, long. this one is far shorter this time around. So first, Top Gun is notorious for making boots think that they'll get a cool call sign when it's far more common to get a cruel nickname that sticks. And more often than not, a call sign is based off a mishap or a character flaw. Please rename Maverick and Iceman respectively, and then please assign each other call signs. Mm. Oh, I knew this was coming. I should have prepared. Um, I will admit I've been trying to think about this and... I'm not right. I'm not great at improv, so I have not been able to so come up with like Maverick great, should but... Maverick should be called Cruise Control. One because Tom Cruise and two because <laughs> I'm bored by it. So he is now called Cruise Control. Oh well that's excellent. Thank you. And Thank I was you trying very to... much. What about Iceman? What do you got for Iceman? Uh, <laughs> I don't really know. Like, I was trying to like, think either. I was like exit in the, right. in the cruise control uh basket. Um I, let me think like what is what does Iceman do um he's just like he's um I just I guess my wingman I guess his call sign is just my wingman because he can be my wingman, oh, my wingman. <laughs> just wingman my wingman no just my wingman. Oh, my, specific... my wingman oh my wingman <laughs> hello my wingman and he'll hate that he's like no, I'm not my wingman Absolutely. Like, you're my wingman you literally are <laughs> you are literally my wingman it's your name there you go that's good all right what do we got for each or other kill is... hyphen mer kill mer that's Let's go with the first one, I think is. <laughs> um, now, for each other, I've been trying to, th- this is what I've been trying to yeah. think of all day. I was like, I'd read this email and I was like, I have no idea where I'm going to go with this yeah. for Stephen. Um, I don't know if you've got anything for me at all either. Um, I, 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 I'm tempted to just be really, really mean, but I will just, I will, I will stay in the vicinity of niceness. Okay. Um, uh, I'm gonna say. Oh God, that's oh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> Edit that out. Definitely. <laughs> I meant like. Because <laughs> planes fly in them. <laughs> you need to edit that. Out. That definitely needs to get cut. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, I love how. 
the listener, that was all bleeped. I'd said a bad thing by mistake and didn't realize how a nickname sounded when I said it out loud. I'd only got it in my head. That actually um, is better. I should just bleep it so that nobody knows what you yeah. said, but they know that it was terrible. Written down, I was like, that makes sense. And out loud, I forgot what was I get it. what you were going for, but it did not, did not come out well at all. No, no, no. So my, my I'm going to go for myself. I'm Misfire. There you go, I'm Misfire. Oh, thank God. I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I had something for you earlier and now it's like, it's just escaped my brain. I should have written it down. That's my bad for coming up with something on the drive home and then having to do a bunch of things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think we have to move on. My call sign is just a bleep now. It's just four. (laughs) It's just a bunch of asterisks on my vest. oh god um next email well thank you thank you for that question now this is actually a good question to be more serious why did the internet decide miles teller is hot enough to forgive for being a giant douchebag great question i don't know because he is not a great dude yeah i mean um yeah several stories a question that decided that he was hot enough i guess it's like which is which is weird to me because i don't i don't really even get it personally um yeah i don't know yeah that's that's good to bring up we had not really brought up that previously of like yeah like it's again like these people um yeah that will keep going back and i thought i had gone like i was sure miles teller was gone um and you know, like i kind of thought so as well now and i, I had looked it up and because there was that whole thing of like he had brought covid to a set and yeah but then there was a another press release that i had seen that people were like no he is vaccinated it was like a whole thing where i was not sure where it actually landed yeah. and you never really know like what the actual no. truth of it is but even outside of that specific controversy he is seemingly not a good dude so um personally yeah. my top gun maverick pick would be glenn powell who i like much more um, oh cool yeah 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 there you go. that's your answer the answer is glenn powell. yeah <laughs> and uh if you haven't seen everybody wants some great movie mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um if each host of a Twin Geeks Network podcast got mustaches, which pair of hosts would have the best set of lip ticklers? I mean, we know. I mean, obviously, it's it's Cal and David, obviously. You think so? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so, I, I, I think there's no. I think there's no challenge there, genuinely. I think, like, I think, and also, I, well, and let's be honest, I think it's because Calvin could probably just, like, rock the hell out of a mustache. Oh, definitely. Dad's yeah. stash? David? Absolutely. I don't know. I don't, David, I don't know. Like, you're relying on Calvin there. And Fru's going to have to suffer through good. that experiment. And so. yeah, we're going to have to suffer through that. But <laughs> I just think that, that, that Calvin could moustache enough for the both of you. And it is a pair of moustaches, so he could he could have the pair. He could have a double moustache is what you're mm. saying. That's, mm. that's an interesting idea. I like that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, not a question, but having never closely inspected Vaughn's Discord profile picture before, I realize now that it's not a cheeky hippo, but is in fact a cute little bird. Delightful discovery. <laughs> oh, I have that uh, discovery. Yes, I <laughs> yes so several people hippo. have had that, but I've refused to change my, my picture. Mm-hmm. No, it is it is one of the ducks from Spirited Away from the bathhouse. Yeah. Um, for the, cute hippo ducks. the subset of people who are uh, who know me on Discord. Yeah, if you look closely, mine is actually Godzilla. I don't think that one needs to be uh, spec- <laughs> closely looked at. Um, my final question. Or a man holding a- an apple. 
Uh, my final question is also not a question. I was distraught to find my prompt asking the spoilers to create their own Sonic OCs went unanswered, but I also understand oh, there's God. only so much time in an episode. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, before I finish this, <laughs> I will say I do apologize if part of your question or email, I do yes, try to get is. to, I do get to every, I have read every email that has been sent in, but occasionally I've had to cut a couple of questions yeah. for time since... As you've seen, we have had some very long episodes, so a couple of times yeah. I had to edit a couple of things. So I do apologize if part of your question gets cut. But so to save said time, I've taken the initiative to create Sonic OCs for you. I was going to make a honey badger. Just know that I was going to make a honey badger. Well, she's given us an image. So let me send you this image. Oh, God. <laughs> so you can take a look. As you can see, Stephen is PNG. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> but I love it. But I love I, it. I'm surprised it's by very how good. mine's very, very accurate. I think. Mm, yeah, I was, I was surprised. I, yeah, that's also you've already <laughs> captured my fins and tail. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to get this to the people. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, join the Discord and, and, and we'll post it. There so, you yeah, go. Go to the, go to the twingeeks.com. Go to the community. Join the Discord, and you can. Yeah. Yes, this will be posted along with very the good. episode release. Um, very, but very thank good. you, Fru, for that email. Hopefully. Um, all right. Now, an email from Alex. Yes. I had a really weird Monolos. dream about this movie last night. Maverick is in, a is in military prison on some faraway tropical island. Good. The island is attacked by a giant cyclops. During the carnage, Maverick escapes and wades into the ocean towards a giant black spire Godzilla. sticking diagonally out of the ocean. The cyclops follows him and Maverick dives out of its reach, climbs onto its back and rips its eye out. He then mounts the spire and shimmies up to find a socket for the fresh eyeball. After inserting the eyeball, the spire sucks Maverick inside of it and transforms into an F-14 jet and blasts off into the sky with Maverick in the cockpit. Not sure what this all means, but Top Gun 2 has quite a lot of parallels to some extremely effective fascist propaganda, doesn't it? Yeah, I know, it, it, it do. Um, I think earlier we said we shouldn't theorize the film that it could be, and I think now we've proven that when it could have been that film, yeah, that's not really, <laughs> I didn't want to just try and tweak the film because a lot of times people do that where they're like, here's how the movie could have been better, but that's pointless. This is just a completely different movie yeah, that I would love a to better see. Movie. <laughs> I would, movie. This sounds like a five-star movie. I would love to see that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so yeah. thank you for sharing um, your dream with us, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Please send in any and all dreams. Absolutely. I'm trying to, I'm trying to drill into everybody, every listener. Any, anything you want to send in, there are no limits. It doesn't need to yeah. be a question. There's no question there. It was just... <laughs> I mean, there's, there was the rhetorical at the end there was well, the rhetorical of being like you know fascism and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no it, it do be like that um, um so but yes. yeah it doesn't need to be a question you can send in whatever you want yeah um email from david Dear Hi. spoilers don't much don't have much time for convoluted questions today all i really want to know is yeah. what Stephen had for dinner um i made four and one <laughs> yeah i was gonna say <laughs> when Stephen started eating i was like wow this works perfectly I don't the like, a, like a a fake chicken so thicken uh fake chicken oh. so like it's <laughs> a horrible name i hope they don't call it that <laughs> they don't call it that i just like to put foot in front of fake things so i thicken burger with like chipotle sauce um and like some mayonnaise on it just because we just got back from a, from a relatively long journey so just was chucked out so i hope that satisfies you there you go new, new steven's dinner segment okay i have not eaten dinner because it's only 1 p.m no, it is. Um, 9.43 here. There you go. Uh, email from Luke. Uh, does the plane like... go fast? It goes um, very fast. Yeah, but it's, it's, kept in, it's kept in shot, and you wouldn't think it would be, because they're going fast. But it is. 
It is. It's quite a very fast. Moving. One of the planes goes so fast that he's told to make the plane go at 10. And he makes the plane go at 10.2. Yeah, I will say. I, everyone's upset about it. I don't really know what that means. Like, there's one point where they're like, he's the fastest man alive. And I'm like, I don't know how fast. What's the record? Like, <laughs> what are good. they surpassing? I don't know. I actually feel like I need to look up now. Like, what's the, how impressive was that in the yeah. context of the movie? Um, and also, what's the point? <laughs> like, oh, wow. Why is that safe the military? <laughs> I don't think I can tell you. Yeah. Um, it seems but, like even in the context of the movie, the point is you did not really save anything. You have just delayed the inevitable. But mm, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he goes to ten point two, but it's fine because he <laughs> turns up at a like bar and is like, "Look, I've water." And it's like the beginning of Men in Black. There you go. I don't know. I so my answer is funny, it's but... like the beginning of Men in Black. <laughs> there you go. I don't know if that really answers Luke's question. But... I think it does. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that's Top Gun Maverick. Mm. um steven doesn't like it i do like it um so what have you got to recommend to the listeners this week yeah so um i was gonna recommend something but i'm not going to because we're gonna talk about that i'm gonna recommend it in line with an upcoming episode because it actually links that very very nicely so that's a tease for you um i am going to recommend so i've been watching through um john waters's filmography um mm. to finish it off so i'd seen a fair few to be fair and i was like you know, I, you know pride month um paris list had a couple of them on so i thought i'd watch the rest and the one i'm going to recommend <laughs> is desperate living from 1977 which you should not start with it is putrid um it is really something um it is um like sarlo meets donkey skin which is like that is a comparison that just in my head does not make any sense i do love donkey skin but i can't imagine is, how that how that comes together yeah it's 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 really really good i we we had a little chat yesterday about about john waters and i want to like make, make the defense again i i really love john waters i think he's an absolutely fabulous filmmaker but more more above that he's just an amazing public figure just like just a just a great feature of everyday life and like you know just like is not only a national treasure but like a, a global treasure um he transcends his films and is a great kind of like visual artist I'm, i've read some of his books as well like he's a really witty writer unsurprisingly um and i didn't realize that he quite i mean i know he's got reputation but i didn't realize that it was quite as like sticky as it was um yeah. the people that i thought would be would watch would not watch but i do get it because there are parts that are very objectionable um Please, listener, do not be off-put. Don't... All right, my first John Waters film I saw was Pink Flamingos, which I really love. I think it's a great movie. There's one scene in that movie um, that is utterly indefensible, completely indefensible. Um, like, beyond that. So do not stop that film. I started with that. I saw it at the cinema, and it was, like, the wow. as, a, as a reissue, because um, I wanted to, and the crowd was so into it. And, like, the rest of the movie, I think, is, is brilliant. I watched it again recently and liked it even more, apart from that one scene. Emma looked away for that one scene um, and enjoyed the rest of the movie. Um, the All rest right. of its boundary pushing is brilliant, um, because I think the reason why the transgressions of John Waters work is because they're mostly not just like empty provocation. They are right. kind of like a wider provocation to like film as like establishment of, we know what we expect a film to be. And they like exist outside of that. And they are from a very queer lens. They are from a very political lens. They are from this kind of very, it's truly outsider lens. They are just people making, it's like, what if Moton was trash? Like it's like, tra like outside of film, okay. but like trashy. And just yeah. like, but it's also very, very funny. He's such a witty writer. Um, and his actors get it so well and it's the same stable of actors that comes back and like some of them are not good at all but are so good at just like doing the things they need to do and someone like Divine actually is, is utterly brilliant and like has some really beautiful roles especially towards the end of their career um, 
So yeah, the John Waters films, there's there's one that will appeal to, if you want something like softer, you can watch something like um, Hairspray, which has like some political flaws, but it's a very, very, very good movie. Something like Serial Mum is a great like middle ground and it's great. Crybaby has more Confederate flags than you'd want to watch in a movie oh, and yeah. more Johnny Depp than you maybe would want to watch in a movie, but it's <laughs> very, very, very good. Okay. Um, and then from the early ones, I'm going to say Desperate Living, watching recently is a great kind of like just takes the putrid crassness but then it also has it in a more kind of like politicized like fable framework it's just 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 wild it just goes so many places <laughs> it's just utterly brilliant i enjoyed it so much and also points like oh my god no um, but yeah great um utterly yeah brilliant. that's Love that's really i am very interested by your donkey skin comparison because i have been watching mm. a lot i've been watching a lot of demi reese have trying to kind of at, at least mostly complete um his filmography so i will I, I, this wasn't my plan, but I will briefly recommend A Room with a View, which is phenomenal. And I think you especially would really love okay. it because it's it's sort of like the mode of um, Cherbourg where like it's all of it is done in musical, like all of the lines are yeah, sung. Yeah, yeah, which I just um, adore. Sung but, through, I believe that is called. There you go. Um, but it's like way more like aggressively political and like it opens with like a scene of protesters against the police and like the whole movie is basically like about like hating the police and it's just awesome <laughs> like it's it's great like a lot of his work is not i mean there's obviously political through lines and everything he yeah. does but this was like the first one where i was like oh this is like really in your face and it was really awesome uh, it's a really good movie um, so yeah, highly recommend I that I need to watch more than three Jacques Demi movies. I've seen like the two that everyone's seen, and then I've seen. Yeah, I've been. I was very surprised. I've got the box recently, set. Um, kind of looking through and like seeing who had seen his movies, and I was like, oh, like he's less less watched yeah. in that wider sense than I had imagined. But I really love all of his stuff that I've seen so far. Um, I had some problems with uh, Model Shop, but anyway, what I did want to recommend was what I watched last night, which is Necronomicon. Awesome! Oh my movie. god! Yeah, that 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 came up because. Matt, friend of the show, hi Matt, um, uh, does a thing which I think is actually brilliant now. He writes like fantastic. reminds reminds me of blah, and like yeah. Matt has seen more films than anyone I know, so it's, it, it feels like a genuine resource of him being like like either if I've seen the movie, I'm like oh that's three great recommendations, yeah, or if I've not seen it, blah blah. It's like it's so great of giving me wider things or giving me a vibe or occasionally being like sorry what, and um, <laughs> in his Necronomicon thing, like there was one film with the comparison point. Let me like find. I was just like okay. So. Yeah. So while you while you look for that, I'll say so. It's it's a Lovecraft anthology oh, film. Yes. Um, so Yuzna directs the wraparound sequence, and then he also does the um, the final short, and then the other two are directed by Christoph Gantz, who I don't I'm not super familiar with. And related then, to Abel Gantz, I believe. I don't believe that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the middle sequence is directed by Shisuke Kaneko, who did a bunch of the Heisei Gamera movies. He directed mm, Revenge of Iris. Yeah. So awesome. And like it's Tom Savini makeup and the movie is just gory and goopy and it's like awesome. It's like exactly what you want out of if, if you are a fan of Lovecraft adaptations. I'm a big fan um, of that yes. sort of style and that that vibe. And this is just like it really nails like that feeling and just like how gross it all gets. And it's it's awesome. And I think that a lot of this time, because most of what Lovecraft wrote were short stories and then a lot of people try to turn them into Most feature films well yes <laughs> I'm not going to defend Lovecraft as a person um, <laughs> but they were mostly short, short hmm. stories so that a lot of the time they try to adapt those into feature films like 
I do love Dagon the movie. I think it's awesome. Need to see. Need to see. <laughs> um, but it's like a six-page story that is then tried to yeah, turn it into yeah. a feature film. So it's it's hard to do that. But like when you take this and it's just an anthology of like these these little moments and it just makes it really great because all you do is just get to the goop and the filth and it's awesome. Um, and the wraparound is weird because it has <laughs> it has Jeffrey Combs doing like a he, like he looks yes. like Bruce Campbell for some reason. <laughs> it's really weird. Oh, but such a hero. Uh, yeah, he is the best. Um, so you yeah. should watch Necronomicon. I should. Um, it's fantastic. So the, the film I was thinking of was Boxers. He wrote reminds him of Boxers Omen. And I was like, oh, Boxers Omen, so good. <laughs> like Boxers Omen. Okay, interesting. <laughs> but um, Shisuke Kaneko, I should point out, is um, the director of yes of the the, the Gamera trilogy, but more importantly of the second best Godzilla film and the best named Godzilla film, Godzilla Mothra and King Ghidorah Giant Monsters All Attack. Yes, I, I would recommend that one if I had gotten to it yet, but we're still, uh, we're going to watch Biolante today, which I'm very excited for. Oh. Um, but there you go. There are our recommendations. Mm. Uh, you can find us both on Letterboxd, I am Zebra and you are Zero Zebra, but also um... <laughs> I thought we were done with that. I was back to it. <laughs> but also, yeah, Stephen Edge, uh, there's a PH in the middle of Stephen. Uh, and then obviously find us on thetwingeeks.com if you didn't come from there already. Um, you can listen to all of our other podcasts in the network, the Twin Geeks podcast, the Daydream cast. Adventures for Asian Cinema, new, new arrival. Yes, yes. Adventures in Asian Cinema has been added to the network. The stacks are officially part of the site now as well. 808s and Pod Breaks, don't let the Motorn cast get you. So much to listen to. And, and so right. I want to just quickly plug the most recent Daydream cast episode, which is nominally about Bioshock 2 but it's about like wider Bioshock and as a person that's interested in that series despite only really I, I, I really love Bioshock 2 I think Bioshock 2 is brilliant and I have loved Bioshock 1 a lot um, but I think it kind of like diminishes over time and Infinite I don't think it's very good at all um, but it's a really brilliant um, episode where they've got a very special guest on not me I'm not focusing on myself at all um, <laughs> and the guest is brilliant and it was just such a good episode and I really really enjoyed it so listen to that it's great so there you go that is and what have you, I wanted to ask what you've got in the works for the stacks. You've been doing so much cool stuff. Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to talk to you about your writing. <laughs> that wasn't, I didn't actually mean to like plug myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I meant yeah, your other um, projects. No, we've got, we've got an office hours coming up um, where we'll talk about a little bit more like how we're still watching Kenobi, I guess. And I can talk about Diablo Immortal because I've played quite a lot of Diablo Immortal. Actually. Oh, interesting. Um, like a lot of it. Um, I've heard terrible things about it. <laughs> Well, at least about the the wider structure of it yeah <laughs> yeah like i don't want to say anything because i you know content right. um yeah so um we've got some stuff coming up so the hong sang su video is there is doing really well like surprisingly well which is brilliant awesome um great video i know the the babe video is out uh, i know that jack is working on a jackie chan thing um there is an essay that i've recorded on um gene dealman um, oh, which i'm awesome. very happy with which will come up at some point um and jack's gonna record his space jam speech <laughs> oh my for god the, for the stack selection um and i have also recorded a a video piece on um 10 films from the letterbox top 250 that i would recommend which are not the best 10 films but like here okay. are like 10 interesting ones to watch based on me watching those movies right and i'm going to um work on a john waters thing um having watched those things i've even i read a book not by John Waters or about John Waters or even connected to John Waters. I read um, Mark Fisher's Capitalist Realism, which is an amazing book um, to kind of like articulate an idea I wanted to get at with that essay. So get ready for John Waters' critique and political theory, I guess. 
Well, there you go. There are lots, lots of upcoming stuff. I think everything mm. you guys have been doing has been really awesome. So Thank I'm always you. excited so for much. more. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, that was not, <laughs> not trying to, not trying to plug myself in that segment. <laughs> yeah. Do listen to that uh, Ben podcast listener. If you have not, um, where I talked to Brazy Benjamin, um, adventure stage and cinema, um, co-host, but also friend of everyone. Um, about his writing process, which I thought was just a, he's just such a giving conversationalist. Yeah, very um, good listen. Yeah, loved it. Loved, loved being a part of that. Well, there you go. That is this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, we will be back in two weeks with uh, something. I'm not exactly sure what we have coming up next. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about we'll, We end up changing what we're doing a lot of the time. So we'll yeah. announce it on the Discord if you are interested in sending in yeah. an email we'll, or anything. Yeah, we'll send out a call for emails. Um, thinking of spoiling at gmail.com is the email address. Mm-hmm. If you have any general comment or question, send in anything. Please. And your dreams. Send and your, your dreams. dreams. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so, yeah, until next time, I'm thinking of ending this podcast.